Hi, everyone. I'm Claudia Sarek. And I'm Zach Mack. And this is So You Want to Run a Restaurant, powered by Back of House, where we let you have a seat at the table and talk about trending topics in the restaurant industry. Well, we've got Anthony Colomani on the show with us today, who's got a very unique concept. Have you heard of this place, Blockhouse, Zach? You know, I hadn't heard about it before because I'm not, I'm not in the Midwest, but now sure. I wish I had because I feel yeah. like he's onto something big with this with this concept. Really? This guy is taking esports and restaurant and combining it into one experiential dining gaming experience for everybody in Michigan. And it's doing really, really well. I'm excited too. I feel like it's like for people of a certain age, they've never heard the yeah. word esports before. And and yeah. it's crazy because the industry is positively massive to a degree that mm-hmm. I think some people still count it out, even though it's going to be, it's the future because younger generations are taking to it and uh, in older generations to that degree too. But this is the first time I've seen a concept kind of bring it into the hospitality sphere in a way yes. that uh, seems incredibly promising and, and foundational almost. Yeah, and not just focused on like the burgers and hot dog type of thing, but really taking taking a real look at the food that they're serving and trying to create that community aspect through food and gaming. I think it's great. And I also feel exactly. like so many people, thoughtful. yeah, so many people are looking for these thoughtful community experiences right now. And it's like, what a way to take all of this and to really look like your age group and try to find something that's really meaningful for a lot of ages. So yeah, and that way it can, you know, serve more, more people than just one audience. It's right. kind of all purpose. And that's amazing. Yeah. Can't wait to talk to him about it. Curious about the hottest technology trends coming into the restaurant industry this year? Check out the Back of House Tech Trends Report. This 12-page report is packed full of insights, from staffing and mental health to robotics and AI, loyalty programs, and understanding TikTok for your business. Visit backofhouse.io forward slash tech trends to download your copy today. That's backofhouse.io forward slash tech trends. Okay, so Anthony, we are so excited to have you on the show today. I know that you are behind Blockhouse, and we want to talk to you more about that and all of your experiences working in the industry. So thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, Anthony, it's really great to have you on today. Definitely the first first of your kind on our show um, to kind of dive into this realm or your, your area of expertise here. Um, we're really excited to talk to you first and foremost about Blockhouse, but uh, we also kind of want to hear a little bit more about your your background. Mm. There's always a genesis story to all this. Yeah. So how were you first involved in hospitality? Like, where, where did you get your beginnings? Yeah, I have to go back to uh, I, my teenage years in Massachusetts. And it was time to get a job. I think with the driver's license came a job. That was like the parents put that rule yeah. down, you know? So <laughs> yeah, where, right. where in Mass are you from? So originally I'm an Indiana kid. I was Terre Haute, Indiana, yeah. the home of, I don't know if you guys are this old, but like there used to be those, those male, like, like 12 CDs for a, a, a two cents or something like that. Columbia uh, House? Yeah, the yeah. Columbia House. Yeah, yeah. That was like the Terre Haute. <laughs> yeah. I think I could, be, I could be making a lot of Terre Haute people mad if, if I get that wrong. But anyway, we moved, uh, we moved to Massachusetts, which was a little bit of a culture shock for me um, when I was around, I don't know, 11 or 12. But it was a, it was a great area and was, because the food scene up there was, is, is a lot more diverse because, you know, Massachusetts, there's just so many different, there's a lot of different ethnic groups. Um, so it's right outside Foxborough Stadium. 
which wasn't. Oh, so you're on the South Shore. I'm on North Shore kid, so oh. I grew up in Mass as well. Oh, all right. Yeah. So that's why I ask. And you're right. It, it, Massachusetts has a unique, I didn't realize it until I left for college, but you're right. It, for someone getting their chopping, getting their chops in hospitality, it provides a super unique setup of diversity. There's like the Greek restaurants and, and things like that that don't really exist in other parts of the country yeah. that I didn't realize until I left. Yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah, it's a, it's a different experience, right? Totally. Mm-hmm. I think some of the, the, the education system out there, I think, brings in a lot of different kinds of... Definitely. You know, a lot of different kinds of So, people. So you get started, that's that's when you were, when you're a teenager, you needed a job. As I, I We were in the same boat, in the same place, by the way. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so what I started at the, the you know, towards the bottom there as a busboy. And, and where do I point? My family is very, I don't know if you can tell with all the vowels in my name here, but it's an Italian, I came from an Italian family. Sunday Sunday nights were like for actually like the the start in hospitality is Sunday nights at my house because my mm. parents would just have an open door policy they they would rather have our friends come over there than have their kid you know us going somewhere else so my mom used to just make these big pasta meals and people just started to learn that the door was open and meals would be around seven o'clock and so we had this weird assortment of you know like like girlfriends athletes priests nuns to co-workers there's just like a weird oh wow it was a, a real weird gaggle pot. of people you know and and so when it was time for me to get a job they there was this there was this place it's still going this guy's a very successful restaurateur um luciano canova in in southern mass i think he's got about four different establishments now but his main one was luciano's which was fine dining for uh with italian food and so i got in there and i just thought i had to stand around you know, and I get tipped out, you know, maybe vacuum up at night. Uh, and I quickly learned that that it was just a whole team. I mean, from the people in the back of the house to the servers, the, that like decisions I was making and, and what I did was impacting this whole ecosystem. So it was a great it was a great learning experience. It's definitely I mean, I as someone who also got a job making subs first, which I think is pretty Massachusetts, like a pizza oh, sub, yeah. shop sub thing. <laughs> I love that's I love very that D'Angelo's. Do you remember uh, D'Angelo's? Oh, D'Angelo's. I mean, I think the last ones just closed. I mean, or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but that's that was that was childhood. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> it's funny because I'm in New York now and they don't have that sort of situation here. Uh, you have to go to a bodega to get a sandwich instead. But <laughs> after the after I started doing that, my first job was a busboy as well at a Tex-Mex restaurant in the town where I grew up, like next to Salem. Mm. Uh, and that was one of those first things you realize. I think coming in at that age realizing like yeah you've been to a restaurant before but you've never like seen the kitchen you've never seen the line cooks going right, at it right when they're like when they're busy you've never seen the bartenders and the barbacks rushing around on a busy night and this place was busy so i remember that was like a real trial by fire they're like okay here's a friday shift you're 15 years old i think i was maybe breaking some labor laws <laughs> um and we we're gonna get you on the floor clearing tables bringing yeah. up speaking of fajitas yeah <laughs> bringing out sizzling fajita trays and then all of a sudden you're like you know you're in and you're already hardened to the industry um but that's pretty interesting. So that was that your, I mean, when, where did you go from there? I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming yeah. there was a, another step. No, I'm still a busboy. I'm still bussing. So no, owners never, ever get rid of that title. That is true. I'm still clearing right? tables, you know, um, yes. <laughs> but no, uh, down, I went to Chicago, um, with, with grad school. And while in grad school, I started, I went back, I fell back on, on the industry. Cause I just, it just clicked with me. And I think just the family, but then also the experience there at Luciano's. I just carried it over, worked at a small, this, this Italian place downtown. You can see the through line here, down in Andersonville. 
uh, and then moved. Mm -hmm. Then I started bartending at a wine bar in Roscoe Village. Um, it's a place that's closed now. It was called Red, but it was just a neighborhood wine bar. And that was a huge education. And I started looking about, there was a, the, uh, the chef there was, was a Roman, like native Roman. And so I learned more about kind of that other side of, of Italian cooking, but also with wine, there was just a whole new education there. And I started talking to vendors and those like pre-shift informational meetings, started seeing that side of the industry. Uh, and then I went to, um, a place called Rhapsody, which no longer exists. It was run by a, a Blue Plate, a catering company in Chicago. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was located right next to, it's still a great space. I don't know if there's anyone in there now, but it was right next to the Chicago Symphony mm -hmm. Orchestra. So for me, it was a great, it, this was, it was more, fi it was fine dining, but it was, it was really interesting in that 4.30, you'd unlock the doors and there'd be this rush of people and you had to, it was a fine dining environment, but you had to get them out by 7.45, 8 o'clock because most of them would be going to the show. Eating, yeah. Uh, so there'd mm. be this huge rush, and then it'd kind of empty out and trickle out, and then there'd be a post-show that might come in. So uh, it, was a, it was a kind of a different experience for me and learned a lot that way. Um, and then the, all that kind of experience combined along with um, some media stuff that we can yeah. get into maybe with the concept here. Um, but that, that all combined here. I was going to say, it sounds like it's, you got the dinner and the show piece there. And then you've got almost like, is that, was, was taking some of that thinking, the genesis of the Blockhouse concept and tell us a little bit about Blockhouse too, for the listeners that maybe aren't familiar with, with Blockhouse today. Yeah. So Blockhouse is, um, is a, it's a new kind of concept where we're, we're mixing, um, international comfort foods, craft cocktails, um, wine selections, and esports which is the natural yeah. party there right i mean you can't think of of a, of a good bar good dining and and esports obviously they go together um <laughs> no like we've kind of had to invent this model um but we really saw that there is um there is esports for the just to kind of go away like start really at the beginning is competitive video game playing so there's casual gaming like mario kart or even like old school pac-man or or whatever anyone does on their on their ps mario kart is not casual like e for me, just want to say <laughs> that is a high intensity game. <laughs> I have seen it get very, very fierce. Very, very fierce. So we have that stuff here. And, you know, there's a lot of concepts out there like that. But the esports side is really creating a stage where uh, organized competitions can happen around this. And it's a huge industry. Um, not so much where well, I'm in the middle of Michigan here. Um, and it's, we're about 20 minutes south of. Mount Pleasant and about 50 minutes north of Lansing. It's more of a, of a rural area, but so the industry isn't necessarily here, but globally it has just exploded. And colleges across the country have esports teams and students are flocking to them. And they, everything from Rocket League, which is like soccer with race cars, to. Um, I love that game. That's <laughs> hard. Rocket League is the best. That's hard. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's hard to be really good at it. I have to say, oh man, seeing some of what some of these kids can do with a car and the way it flips, it's just, it's yeah. just amazing. Um, but things like fighting games, like, like, like smash bros on, on Nintendo to, to kind of more some of the shooting games. Um, so that, that all, ha what we do is we host the college team. We've partnered with a, a local college here, Alma college, and we host their esports team. So all their matches are produced here on stage. We are in a sense, they're like the ice, their ice for their hockey team is, is kind of like what, we're, what we do. But 
what we've in addition to that what we've also done is reach out to local um, high schools and middle schools and really kind of one of our missions is just to kind of create a community destination around this most popular form of entertainment of our day it's no i mean it used to be we're in actually an opera house here it was built in the 1890s and opera used to be wow. a big popular entertainment yeah. of its day strange to think you know in the 1890s that's what would bring a community together then it was it was you know cinemas used to bring people together and we got our start in like can we bring people together with video games instead of you know get past that cliche of someone alone in their basement and really not just the pro gamers but 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 people who haven't played a game maybe in 10 years can they feel like they've got a place here and and can friends and family feel like they got a place here if, if they're if if someone's playing mm -hmm. on stage and that's where the food component and my background with with it from from my mom's sunday my sunday dinners to my experience that i that i had in some of those different restaurants i really just immediately started thinking of food and um that that food is the thing that makes people feel welcome even if you don't get the tech you don't know esports you can make people feel that they've got a seat at the table literally with with food so that's so the concept essentially from what i'm taking from this you're right i i remember a few years ago hearing for the first time about esports and league of legends taking over madison square garden to do the world championship and something i'd never even heard of and it made me realize that this market is so massive and under the like still under the radar of so many people um and the fact that you know it's kind of coming up as generationally this important college kids high school middle school kids playing it want they want to be in on it and the fact that you know there's demand for a, a public arena for this stuff is speaking a lot about the next shift in culture right um so i guess from the sounds of it you are you're not it's not like you have to be a top level pro gamer on a scholarship do actually do these kids get scholarships they do they oh, do wow it's that wow. serious so this is that's crazy <laughs> But this is like kind of like where we feel at the end of the day really good about what we're doing. One, the chef and his 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 food is great, and seeing people smile—that's always great. But but like, there's a gap right now between that that I was talking about how the industry is really big right now, and that there's a lot of development in it. But at the bottom level, with and, and like like middle schools, high schools, like if you think about football or basketball, right? Like you've got all that money, all that attention, all that production value with those pro teams. You also have a local basketball court. You also have every high school has its own gym or its football field like special uh, like some schools have that for esports but a lot of schools particularly in the type of region that we're in um are are excited about us giving them resources um to, to organize those teams whether it's with the pcs it's tech but it's also that organization about bringing bringing those teams together that they compete in person yeah, like you're providing infrastructure and community to the things that you need to make these games happen and, and make these things happen. Just opera mm -hmm. houses, basketball, like you said. Um, no, so I guess my original question, what I was thinking, it it's not just these <laughs> these uh, these esports playing scholarship holding gamers that are coming into your place. Right. There's there's like places for like your your establishment also runs for the general public and right. people can show up whether or not they've never even, you know, you know, played Pac-Man. That's right. So what the sort of run through the concept on like a day to day, like, is this the kind of place like on like a, someone like me who, you know, was an N64 kid, but is now like kind of afraid of the <laughs> the in-depth nature of video games can still kind of like show up and hang out. Totally. Totally. That's exactly it. Exactly. And uh, that's like you're, you put your finger on the spot that we're trying to like target and focus on. And like, I think we're where we trying to make a difference. 
I mean, one, one side is, is like connecting those schools to those opportunities with the collegiate and pro level, but the other thing is to like get gaming out of the basement, mm -hmm. so to speak, and get it out. We've seen a lot of other places that are built for and attract the people who already are in the know. But we, our, our benchmark for success is if we can kind of play across the, what we call the gaming spectrum here, kind of internally. You've got the pro players on one side, you got the people who say they are non-gamers right. on the other side. We call them gaming adjacent because everybody, you know, <laughs> like everybody loves a game, right. whether it's, I mean, you mentioned Mario. A lot of times Mario Kart is that, is that common. It's the touchdown. gateway. Or if it's, <laughs> it is. It is. Or, or it's Pac-Man. Or you go like way back to Pong. Yeah. Like people have, or, you know, even like, even, you know, uh, yeah. Cornhole, you know, and thinking about right. like games are part of, our our culture and and really you know having things for the gamer adjacent the hardcore and then the casual what we, you know the people who every once in a while mm -hmm. pick up the game and if we can if we can do play across that spectrum then that's where we say we're being we're successful and it's it's interesting too because i think a lot of people hearing this might be like oh well you know i'm not going to open up a video game themed restaurant but i i operate a bar here in the east village in manhattan and one of our most popular events we do at least once a month, and we're actually pushing it to twice a month, is a Super Smash Brothers tournament. Yeah. And my GM, who's much younger, he's he's in his mid-20s, was he's like, you know, people are going to show up for this. We've had like a big demand. And I was like, I kind of didn't believe it. And I completely ate my words because it was like that typical scene in the movie where like, you know, the middle-aged guy shows up on the basketball court and he just gets totally schooled <laughs> by a bunch of these kids who yeah. are out there. And I was like, I grew up playing Smash Brothers. I had this game tw you know, 20 years ago. I should be able to pick this up and it'll be like riding a bike. And I can't even tell you the depths of my embarrassment to just be completely schooled. And I yeah. get in there, but at the same time, it was drawing out people to the bar and to, to come hang out that I hadn't seen before. It was a very diverse crowd. Um, a lot of, a lot of female components of the crowd, which is, you know, sometimes in craft beer can be like touch and go, I think, but it was really, it was a, very eye-opening experience for me and that's part of the reason why we're kind of leaning into it so much today and i noticed on your website you guys host like these mario kart nights and the smash brothers nights as well yes. right so, so similar thing i suppose so we've got a yeah, we've got leagues right now we're running a league with with high schools and the, the, the smash tournament and there is it's a tuesday nights and there's like it is loud like they are getting into it um and then next season we're doing um rocket league with with high schools mm. and so we kind of pick a game a season and that but it's hard sometimes to have a recurring game unless you're, I mean, Manhattan is, I'm sure, different. But in smaller communities, too, it's kind of programmed. Sometimes having, like, an event that's geared around a game, like a one-off, can be more successful in certain communities. Other times having a, repeat, a repeating offering, if you've got a, a community that's connected to that game, it can really take off and change the flow mm -hmm. of traffic for a given day. So I'm curious, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like obviously a lot of folks are there to play the games, but do some people just come in to eat who don't really know about it and they're there for just all the food and then they say, hey, now I'm now I'm Absolutely. addicted to the games as well? Or what's... At, yeah, I would I would say it's actually the majority oh. here come in to, for, for dinner and drinks. Like we do, when we open the doors around 3 p.m., we get a rush of kids after school. And then it kind of segues into families coming out for a dinner. Uh, and then we have uh, also couples and singles. And then we go to more of a bar, kind of a bar scene at 9 p.m. Um, and we kind of get more college kids and people coming out for a cocktail. Which probably gets them more into wanting to game once they get a few drinks in them. 
Yeah, right, right. And but but all but a lot of this is geared around the eating and the, the, the mm-hmm. eating and the drinking, the dining, and then the gaming is kind of like that casual thing. And then we also have more events, like you were kind of alluding to, Zach. That would be more okay. This is geared around gaming, and food's the sidecar. But for on a mm-hmm. given day, though, mainly like the food sometimes becomes the the main car, and the and the gaming's the sidecar. It just kind of all oh, people have to eat every day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, especially if I don't know how other many businesses there are in town. Um, running at the capacity you are but if you've got the good kitchen going i feel like that's the sort of thing it's just a nice bonus some some gamers show up and happen to eat some people showing up to eat happen to you know try a game and that's probably great crossover right exactly that's exactly it and then one of the things we wanted our menu to be able to stand up on its own and that people were come for our menu and we have events like our new menu launch you know that's an event and we actually can take some of the technology here that we we built and installed and flip it into food themed events for example, like we've done wine nights, which are pretty common from restaurant to restaurant. But what we can do with some of the all the, the, the signage and mm-hmm. the screens that we have is we did like this interactive wine night where people can um, like we'll, we'll fly over a map of the zone where people are drinking the wine from and have kind of these these drone shots. Oh, that's like awesome! Work with vendors to get some of that media, and then use then leverage some of the the infrastructure here to really make it more experiential exactly. and, and educational yeah that's that's a great use case for yeah, the technology exactly. you've got lying around anyway right that's we're opening up a second location and i thinking now about what a wine night like that could could become where we're uh, we've had discussions with some vendors where we might have them live um on these screens for the different locations who on the same night are tasting their wines and hearing from the producer mm. Wow. You're like doing tons of different experiences. (laughs) It's It's like e-experiences, all like digital and the food, all of this. It's, it's such a natural, it's really is a community gathering spot in many senses of the word. Yeah. That's what we hope to thank. Yeah. That's what we're, we're aiming for is try to become a a destination um, for for Mm -hmm. a variety of activities. I think that's something that we're kind of missing a little bit today is like the idea of the town center, you know? Not that absolutely. Not that we'd say we we're the town center, but but just the, the spaces like that that could that could be a place to gather and bring people together. Well, COVID right. was kind of a reset like that, right? I think people now either they're 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 much more appreciative of the fact that they get to go out and have a meal in public and and interact with people in person, um, and it's also kind of a change the way that restaurants approach the public as well. Uh, and it seems like this is the sort of like fostering of community that I, in my opinion, people seem to be craving. Um, but so I guess on that similar page, a similar token, are, are like, what is your, the, your, how old now? Two, three years old, the, the restaurant? We opened in 2020. October. A very challenging year. Wow. Oh my God. So perfect. So yeah. So what was, what do you mean? What was it like to <laughs> open do you mean? your what doors you in about? the midst of everything? Yeah. <laughs> hey, wow. it's only up from there, right? Yeah. How, what was the, what was that like? What were your challenges? Yeah, Cause I'm sure nuts. it's literally typical, but at this point, but to more o- and more restaurants are, you know, it's a shared pandemic. experience That's for a lot of people. A, I mean, it was nuts. Yeah, exactly. it was crazy, and a new concept too. Mm-hmm. It's not like exactly. Yeah, you have to explain. It's yeah. not like, hey, we're your new pizza pizza shop, you know. And it's like people mm-hmm. get it, but it was like we had to explain it to people. So yeah, it was it was it was fun. Um, there, uh, yeah, good. Yeah. I'm glad to see it that uh, way. <laughs> I remember, I remember too with construction too, like right around the right around March or, or, or like late February, March, April, as the as the news was coming out, like it was impacting the supply chain and construction and 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 the ability for us to finish right. the place and open the doors. And we were expecting to open in the spring, but then, and so we had staffed up and high, you know, and where we were ready to go. 
And so that dragged out then to, with the shutdown, we were, that postponed it till, till October. So that was a, was, was a dance to try to, to shuffle personnel and resources to try to make it through that time. And then opening, I, you know, I just, I give it up to this community here. Like they really supported us and wanted to see us succeed even in the midst of, of that. And it happened, to, the timing was a little, like, I don't know if you remember, there was a little bit of a relief of, of, before the winter came totally. There was a little momentary yeah. relief after the summer and that we kind of opened up in there. Oh, yeah. And so we had a taste of, okay, this might work and this is, this is okay. We kind of learned a lot for how people were using the space. And then everything closed up again. Um, and we just had, I'm sure everyone, there's so many stories out there, you know, of just trying to, scrape by and, and get creative, um, take out, you know, we were barely established to do that, but like trickle, take out was like a trickle, mm -hmm. but it really helped us then like take those couple months of work and really kind of perfect it and almost, you know, iterate a little bit on what we were And doing. it sounds like there's been a so really strong been. appetite from the community to, to, to join in on this. It, it's been, it's been fantastic. It's been really great. Um, both from the food side and the dining side, but then also the, the schools and the way that they've uh, embraced us and, and jumped Was that board. something that surprised you the most? Was the schools jumping on board when you did this? Because this is a really new concept, so I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of like aha idea moments where you were like, oh, wow, I didn't think that was going to work, but this did work. Well, that's what I was going to say. The, like, the idea of a surprise, like as someone who opened yeah. up in the midst of a global pandemic they didn't see coming seems like it kind of <laughs> it changes the the, yeah. the severity of the term yeah. i guess but I, like that was what I'm, I'm curious to see like what if anything surprised you after that like if, if there was anything mm -hmm. that still caught you off guard because you were opening up in some pretty unorthodox circumstances yeah i think the the, the the education space like the other side of my background is i've got um i i'm actually a professor i teach i teach media oh. um at the yeah oh wow so I kind of I was comfortable in that space, and I had a feeling that I, I know I knew there was a need and an opportunity in the education space. And a lot of the stuff we do with high schools, we don't. That's we try to run that at at nonprofit at a nonprofit level, and it's kind of revenue coming from other directions. So that wasn't as much a surprise because I had a, I had some sense that there was an opportunity there. The the bigger surprise was how much smaller municipal communities came here and just wanted one of these immediately not immediately but after about six months of us like like when it's things started opening up again and we would get visitors and i mean and when i say visitors i mean like uh, mayors and their marketing team and grant writers would come to our space because again we're we're in a more rural area and we've renovated a, a historic building and it's a new concept and it's 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 kind of combining the old and the new and that we've made it work here, you know, with a you know limited population, and um, it's it's kind of become that 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 meeting place downtown. So that really surprised us, and that's how the second one led, led to the second opportunity that we've had now in our second our second block house, and and there's been people reaching out from around Michigan, um, asking us to look at some of their their areas and, and to move into it. So that's been, wow, that's really cool though. Yeah. That, that's amazing. And that, that's not the kind of response that, you know, every restaurateur gets with the grant writers showing no. up. That's, that's very exactly. Is this second location or is this also in Michigan? Or are you allowed to say what, what's happening? With yeah, that? totally. It's official. Um, it's down in Olivet. 
um, which is a little bit south of Lansing. Mm. Again, we've partnered with a college, and it's a, it's a smaller community. And we are taking a, I call it a, a rectangle on a piece of pavement. And we're, we're, kind of, we're, trying to, <laughs> we're kind of trying to transform it into a community destination. It's kind of a food desert out there from, from um, talking to the community and the stakeholders there. Um, so there, there's people who are extremely excited about the gaming side and that coming to town. There's people who are just really excited that you've got a chef-driven concept that's coming to town. Um, uh -huh. mm. So I, I, I have to bracket this all saying, I don't think any one of these things would work here alone. You know, like a, like a, a, mm -hmm. a strong chef-driven menu or an, or an eSports concept wouldn't work in this size in this community. But it's through these partnerships and through this mix, which has been both a challenge in trying to figure out there's no playbook, but also that's where the opportunity is or the advantage could be. And if, if you get them to work together, then something like this becomes possible in a community that might not mm -hmm. otherwise be able to support one side or the other. Do you think as the industry grows, you know, as the industry grows and becomes more competitive, do you think that more folks will want to embrace this kind of concept where doubling a restaurant as a gaming venue or doing something else that's more experiential for their guests? Um, and, you know, as we see the importance of offering, you know, really unique experiences. And I think we are also seeing this with the rise of social mm -hmm. media and everybody wants something more, just more mm -hmm. experiential. And I'm wondering what your take is on that at the industry as a whole we look towards the future yeah i definitely that's why i try to avoid um doing things like podcasts and talking about this idea publicly no, i'm just kidding so <laughs> um, keeping it under wraps we're blowing the lid off of it we're blowing the lid off of it yeah. your, your secret's out oh no I, <laughs> <laughs> no you know there's no like and again there's no secret algorithm it's just it's just relationship building and being willing to like get in touch with the local community and i think I, I'm really, you know, Michigan's got this history of going through, it was an industrial boom town, but then, you know, in the 80s with, with the reason it's called the Rust Belt sometimes is because what, how it was hit economically. But being able to see concepts like this work in, in these smaller, smaller communities where in the Great Lakes, that, that provides a lot of hope. So I'm, I'm excited to think about both in big metropolitan areas and then smaller, smaller areas. Um, in more rural areas or, or those places in between that concepts like this if they can work you know it can really help out uh, a community find a new foothold in the economy yeah i could totally see that so what's the biggest piece of advice that you would give somebody looking to open a restaurant or a concept like this yeah i think i just alluded to it there it was was just the relationship building that's at the part of it which is it's a little counterintuitive yeah. with the technology but that's been our approach in talking about that gaming spectrum. We're talking about food. It's it's really trying to make sensual, tasty, you know, like, like um, uh, human, the stuff that could be cold and algorithmic and, and mm -hmm. off-putting or, or faceless. And and connecting it to people and to their stories and their interests, I think, is, is where you can really find out what works and what doesn't for your community. Mm-hmm. I think honestly, yeah. I mean, you've you've done a really good job wrapping up your entire message, and I am not one for leading questions on this podcast. But um, it sounds like you're pretty optimistic. But here comes but, one. <laughs> but it sounds like you're pretty optimistic about the future. I mean, this is a very specific concept. I'm not expecting there to be like 20 knockoffs of these, no matter how many people listen to this podcast and copy it, like you just said. 
Um, but I honestly, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think, like the challenges are for pushing into new arenas in general and hospitality, because it's not easy to meld the hospitality concept along to something else people have, but I mean, there's the sports bar, there's like the, like you said, the, there's different things that work in, in certain ways, but what do you think the next steps are for this sort of like amalgamation of hospitality and other concepts? And are like, are you confident that that's going to be kind of the future of the industry to kind of turn it on its heels in a sense, given how shaky things are right now? Yeah, that's a great question. And and I I told him not qualified to answer it in a definitive way, but um, I would say like one of the, one of the ways it lives or dies is I, I think for us, like we don't, we didn't have like, you know, this giant financial backing to get started. Um, it was really kind of putting things mm-hmm. together in a way that, that got it up and running and then trying to iterate quickly, like, like learn from what was working, what was not working, have some things. Yeah. There's some things like, you know, there's some brick, literally brick and wood that we don't move, you know, but a lot of, a lot of stuff could change and adapt. And I think sometimes with these experiential ideas, they get so locked into physical space or a, or a set concept that it's hard to change pieces of it after the fact. And there's still parts of it that I could see that happening here. Like there, there are pieces here that we can't change because we got it locked in space-wise. But, but overall, we've been able to, to shift and adapt that experiential part in the space. Um, and that has become really important to trying to connect to the community. So I don't know if, 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 if I put a fine point on it there, but I guess it seems like the more flexible that, ex- that concept is, that experiential concept, uh, and the less specifically or cemented it is into particular format, it seems like the more adaptable it'll be. And if anything, that's something we've learned in the last few years is that you have to be ready to to change and adapt. I just have, I have another question that's kind of off topic, but were you really into esports before you got into this? No. Um, I mean, I liked gaming. Um, like, yeah. Goldeneye on the Nintendo 64. Oh, yeah. Like, I swear. Like, Classic. Like, pinnacle, my child. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not bragging, but like, I was the best in my, in my, like the, f- like the five townhouses where I lived in college, I was the best person in those five townhouses. Like, I'll take you that. any day. Golden gun in the Dude, tunes. We'll, I don't we'll, know. We'll make it out. You know what's the crazy statistic? Is, you, know what time, you know what age these like, pro esports players retire? No. 25. Oh, my gosh. That's, oh, my God. That's wild. That's the, because that's where, the, that's where the skills that's where... <laughs> start to go down. So, like, I, I'm not going to, wow. I'm not going to, I'm not going to brag about any <laughs> skill of mine in that area now. In my age, you just made me feel a lot better about my my Smash Brothers experience, though. So yeah. that's that that it does explain a lot. Yeah. No, but I, so I, I mean, I kind of you know put down the video game control and pick up boxing at 25. That's what you should do. We've put the... we've had uh, we had sort of a VR and um, we had a kid jump into the, the VR for boxing. There's this Rocky game, Creed. Oh, wow. And it's so immersive that this, oh. we start. We hear we even have we have spotters and everything like that. But suddenly this kid was like punching the floor because because oh, like wow. his opponent had fallen down on the ground, and he's like, oh. <laughs> oh <my laughs> so he like God. he broke the controller wow. and and chipped the floor. But oh, luckily wow. his hand was fine, you know. But oh thank god for that that's one of those things that we learned like okay we need this kind of different space for vr you know or a different kind of game 
Yeah. Right. More physical. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Well, it's really cool what you've built. I think it's awesome. And the fact that you launched it during pandemic, during the pandemic, what a feat. Um, be really, I can't wait. Next time I'm in Michigan, I'm going to have to come and check you you guys out. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll say hi and I'll, I'll interview you. Yeah. Yeah. No, perfect. And Goldeneye, perfect. That's right, Goldeneye. I'll bring my podcast voice with me. Goldeneye for Zach and then Mario Kart for Claudia. Everybody's got their, everybody's got their game, you know? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, okay. But before we let you go, we do something at the end of our episodes called the tasting Mm. menu. It's just three quick questions. First thing that comes to mind. Technology that you can't live without. Mm. Could be anything. Technology that I can't live without. Um, physical book. Mm. Good answer. And here <laughs> I thought you were going to say high-speed internet, given all the internet that your restaurant is probably eating no. up every day. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That... Bandwidth the size of Kansas, I swear. I... Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I always like to think. My podcast episodes would never crash in there. Yeah, right. <laughs> The, um, <laughs> but I love that, that, that sometimes it helps when sometimes I think about technology is just, you know, a lot of times we think about the digital being technology, but like how revolutionary that book was back in 1500s, you know, that piece of technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's still, there's something about the smell of a book and holding a book, even on vacation. There is. Like I have a Kindle and all that stuff, but there's something about a book and it just like helps you unplug from everything. A technology that helps you unplug. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. Love that. I also, you're so right about the smell. We always remember yeah. that. The nostalgia of the smell of a fresh book. And smell so. of a bookstore. Oh, man, those are great. The best smells in the world. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. So true. Um, okay, I know you mentioned Goldeneye, but is that your all-time favorite video game? Or do you have another? Oh, you said you were the best at that one. But is that also your I mean, your the favorite? best in if that, not, in those, like, five townhouses. Favorite? I just want to qualify that. In case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, An important division, <laughs> yeah. though, you know. So I think the best, uh, the, my, or my favorite, my favorite video game um, I go back to like it's my it's my brother and I. We used to get together and we used to play this thing called like early versions of this thing called Streets of Rage, and it just had oh yes it was like, oh I love that it's like, game like a double dragon game where you just all you do is you just <laughs> yeah. go from left to right and you just beat people up, which is not something I normally yeah. do in my it's life. It's a perfect two person scroll. Right. It's like it's like you have a friend over or a cousin or whatever, and you're like in playing. It's like the perfect or my little sister yeah. and I. You could play with like the, yeah. So but if, if if like busing in uh, in Luciano's was like something that started with me in hospitality, there's something like there with my brother like playing those co-op games that like the the idea of like what video games could be with community. There's something like similar. Yeah. 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 I feel like I should also ask you this question, Zach, because I had no idea that you had this much experience in video games until this episode. It's vintage. <laughs> what is I would your say, favorite I mean, video nostalgia game? Nostalgia wise, nostalgia wise, I, I mean, Goldeneye is probably the thing that I spent the most time right? plugging my hours away. Yeah, at. but I spent. Well, I mean, just because it came out at the perfect time. I was like N sixty four. I was in the, like middle school, like late elementary yeah. school. So I was like pretty, pretty at the time. But honestly, nostalgia wise, my sister and I like Saturday night. Like we would like before Snick came on, we would sit there and play Toe Jam and Earl. And and that game takes up a lot of time. It's just like huge maps, which I had never experienced before. And you just like spend all this time walking around and she'd be looking for one thing and I'd be looking for another. So for me, like I have a very sweet nostalgic memory and the soundtrack was really good. So oh. I always like think oh. about that. Yeah, that's interesting yeah. to think of the like soundtracks of games, how those can really stick with you. And you just hear a couple beats and then yeah. yeah, big time. 
Isn't it like the Zelda one that people remember the most? Zelda and Mario the Zelda too, soundtrack? The, yeah. Yeah. They changed people them. remember the sound. Yeah, they're perfect. Streets <laughs> yeah. of Rage had a pretty kick-in soundtrack too, I have to say. I got a, <laughs> yeah, I like did. Electro. I remember that. I'm sure they had great sound it's effects too. It's a little too. aggressive, oh, not ah. like over yeah. the top. It was like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, actually, we just we just used <laughs> yeah. I just used a little screen grab here in in the house of Streets of Rage. I don't know if you remember. Uh, Zach, sounds like you played it. Maybe there's like a power up. There's, uh, there's, course, there's yeah. turkeys laying on the street, like whole turkeys, yeah. <laughs> and you punch a turkey. Shot. That's right. And then you get your health back. So I thought this yeah. would be a that was just like a like a turkey dinner. That's your yeah. Like where do they come up with this? That punch the, a turkey. The, the, the bonus round. The bonus round. to punch up the car with yes. your bare hands. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Anyway, that's a great it's a great Thanksgiving message though. You know. Like, yeah. Happy yeah, Thanksgiving. Right? Punch, yeah. punch a turkey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last question here. You said you were in film film studies. Did I hear that right? Yeah. I, so I teach in new media, and and the the, the the new media the neighborhood I teach in is is film. Yeah, film and production. What is your favorite? What is your favorite film? Dang. I know. Oh, we saved the we That's saved the tricky one for last. Such a hard question, though. It totally depends. You know. Um, yeah. It's like, like from a from an artistic point of view, I love. Fellini's eight and a half from just like Mm -hmm. a visceral like when I think of the movies and what the movies could be like going to the movies Raiders of the Lost Ark is just Mm -hmm. like the quintessential action movie for me um yeah classic there's there's and I've got now kid movies that are really near and dear to my heart it's hard it's hard yeah Yeah. there's too many answers to that but yeah that's a good answer though yeah so well, awesome. Well, thank you so much oh, wait, for joining wait, wait, us wait, again wait, today, wait. Anthony. This what, was great. You guys got to answer that question. Oh, oh. oh you'll need to. Okay. <laughs> I watch. Uh, I was so into claymation yeah. at one point. Like, I thought it was so fascinating that I think I watched Tim Burton's Corpse Bride like a hundred times just because I was so fascinated by yeah. the whole thing. So I think it is. Yeah. So it was just like, I was totally drawn into it. It's good. That's I honestly, I have no idea where to answer that question. I've I go back like you. It's, it's super like hard, movies, right? Things like that all make yeah. sense to me. Yeah, it's hard. There is one. I just remember the first time I was diving into, like I said, like I like foreign film too. But um, Elevator to the Gallows was one of the first movies oh, where wow. I was like, I oh. love this noir. I love the soundtrack. It was the first time I remember seeing something like come together cohesively, and I was like, okay, I get why people are obsessed with film yeah. now. So from a timestamp standpoint, that one I always go back to because it was seminal for me in like flipping a switch. Um, there's so many movies I've seen that I like as much as it, but I, that one was kind of foundational for me. It's good to have like your core set of things, right? Your core video games. Yeah. Your core mm-hmm. films in Desert Island. I do remember also watching the Goonies a lot as a kid and thinking oh, like we're going we are going to find a treasure and we are going to like have to beat bad guys and stuff. And I mean, that that is like a child childhood dreams there to go and like that anymore. Have- they don't, they don't make don't movies be, like that. With my no. kids, we have, we, have, we have this like, okay, it's daddy's weird 80s night day, you know? And it's like a, it's like a recurring thing where I show them just these weird 80s movies that were, I somehow watched like yeah. again and again and again and again. I'm not sure why. I just think HBO like constantly replayed things and I saw it at friends' houses. That's, I tell people not having linear TV with like stars HBO on, I caught so many movies that way and I, yeah. The Last Dragon. I don't have it anymore. Like I, I don't know oh, if you guys. So the last, yeah. yeah. Like they, they're like, what, what is this movie? Yeah. I'm like you guys are gonna love it. And they're like, what is? It's so weird. <laughs> I, I do love it. 
<laughs> like they still work. Even Back to There's the Future. There's something about the 80s. Yeah. Back to the oh, Future. Yeah, Back to the Future. Big Trouble Classic. in Little China, stuff yeah. like that. Oh, so good. Yeah. Well, you guys, thank awesome. you. Awesome. No, thank well, you for thank... this opportunity. It's been yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. We great. really appreciate you coming on, Anthony. This is honestly a great, great chat. With film, video game, food, all of the above. Like, yeah, and such a unique experience. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we haven't talked to anybody that's doing anything like this, so it was really fun oh, to have cool. you on. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And um, I look forward to you so catching much. up on the future episodes. Want to hear more? Then you need to head to backofhouse.io, where you can find the latest on restaurant technology, industry news, a ton of free how-to guides, and interviews with industry experts. And while you're there, definitely remember to sign up for our free newsletter, Back of House News. Our team of reporters cuts through the noise and gives you the headlines that you really need to see each and every week. This is honestly one of the best weekly newsletters I've ever read, and I wouldn't say that if it weren't true. Follow us on Twitter at BOH underscore news and at We Are Back of House on all other platforms. Yeah!